Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. And this is Danny Solom for the final time in this series. I am so happy, Danny, you have stuck with me through three days of this. Oh my God, literally three days. Not really. It's only been a couple minutes, right? I think so, actually. <laughs> Guys, that's, that's radio magic right there. Radio magic. <laughs> Daddy has been sitting in his living room with his shirt off, eating ramen noodles this whole time while we've been recording. Hey, no, this is a healthier dinner. I what like it, how I'm not arguing against the fact that my sh- no shirt is not off, but <laughs> I'm just eating a healthier meal. <laughs> <laughs> So what are we talking about today, Danny? We're covering the basic technical terms that everyone should know without getting super technical, right? I hope so. Let's see how we do with this one. Because the thing about basic technical terms is there's nothing basic about technical. (laughs) But we're going to try to make it as 101 and as easy and as simple as we can. Danny, first word we have on on the chopping block today is block. Block. Boom. Well, it comes from blockchain, right? Or does blockchain come from block? That's one of those chicken and egg things I never wrap my mind around. Okay, a block is simply a recording of information. Blockchain is revolutionary technology that we talked to you about in the first episode, where you can create permanent secure digital recordings. It can record any information. But it started with recording transactions, and those transactions were grouped into a block. I have a little analogy here. Last time we we said a blockchain is like an Excel spreadsheet. And yes, that's true. But if you were to imagine the blockchain as a book of records, the the distributed ledger, if you were if you were to imagine as a book of records, then each page in that book is what is known as a block. And blocks are attached to each other one by one by one by one, all in sequence, and that is the blockchain. That's a that's a great analogy, Danny. Thank you. Did you get that one yourself or? You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I read so much stuff that I can't really tell what's originally mine, but yes, it's all me. <laughs> all right. And there's something else called a sidechain, Danny. What's a sidechain? Mm. So a sidechain is a group of recordings added to the main group, the blockchain, in such a way that the data can travel in either direction between both chains. And the sidechain is cool because that's, you'll often see um, articles talking about the second layer and third layers built upon the first layer of blockchain. A sidechain is a second layer technology. It upgrades the actual technology with extra features. Right on. Danny, and then there's these blocks, these blockchains that we're talking about. You know, these all can be centralized or decentralized. And centralized just basically means that it's something that's controlled by one organization or one group of people or one person. For example, do you do you have Apple, Danny? Apple products? Yes, I got Apple. Well, you know what? Always. Do you have, do you have, uh, <laughs> me too. Do you have iCloud? Uh, I mean, just the free version because I can't be bothered well, by there. Regardless if it's paid or not paid, that is a centralized system. Everything is controlled by Apple. And Google Drive. That's also central. Yes, we use Google Drive, you and I. We do, we do. Are we reading notes right now from Google Drive? And I see your little, who are you, the anonymous, anonymous? <laughs> yeah. I think you're anonymous. So, and I, maybe. I don't know if I'm cool enough for that. But check this out. Did you know that Google Drive crashed uh, a couple years ago and people didn't have access to their data? And I had a friend, he's actually a girlfriend's brother, whose data was hacked. From Google Drive. 
So the, wow. the, the problem with centralized is that one person controls it and that one person can open the door to everything being exposed. Exactly. And this is some of the problems that we're seeing with the credit industry and things like that. When it came to the Equifax hack, it was a centralized system that all they had to do is get into one centralized location and get hundreds of thousands, if not millions of credit data for people living in the United States. That's risky. That's scary, Danny. You know, you know what it is? It's like keeping all your eggs in one basket. It is Centralized all eggs. is that one basket. Yes. It's a it's a big basket, but there's a lot of eggs in there and it's all in yeah. one. Yeah. Exactly. So the opposite of centralized is decentralized. And decentralized is basically just the opposite. Not one single organization or person or mainframe or computer system has your data. It's distributed to everybody. So or everybody that's involved in the system. So with the blockchain you have copies of the ledger, the Excel sheet that we we're talking about on many different people. So say if Danny was hacked, it doesn't do anything to the data because everybody has it and it's unchangeable, immutable. So imagine using your iPhone and your iCloud, but a bad actor could not just start attacking Apple. They would have to attack the whole network, which is pretty damn near impossible. Is there any right. example of decentralized right now, Danny, besides blockchain companies? Well, you know, you got me thinking about something and I'm going to answer your question, but you got me thinking about the difference between decentralized and distributed. And those two words are similar, but they are different too. And I just want to quickly touch on that where decentralized means that not one single person or group, like you said, has control over everything. But distributed is a more precise form of decentralized. It means that not all of the processing, the recording, the verification is done in one single place. It means that all of these different components are sharing in the work so that if one goes down, the rest can still carry the load. It's sort of like having multiple ropes or, or cords holding up an elevator. If one was to go down, you still have a whole bunch supporting it. No single point of failure. Well, right on, Danny. Thank you. Yes. So now what was your question? Are there any examples right now of decentralized systems. Yes, Bitcoin. Besides Bitcoin. An elevator cable. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're going for. Never mind, Danny. Moving on. <laughs> you got to remove that. I have no idea what you're going for. No, no, we're going keep, to keep that in because elevator cable is a good one, Danny. We're going to keep that in there. <laughs> that's uh, You know, there is going to be that one poor soul that's going to start trying to talk about blockchain technology as an elevator cable. Thanks to you, Danny. <laughs> So, Danny, we talked about centralized, decentralized, distributed. And one thing we're seeing now with these systems is that they're getting very slow and overloaded. And we saw that Ethereum network was very tested with the CryptoKitties phenomenon that happened a couple months ago, where there was so much traffic and so much data being moved around their network that it kind of slowed it down and clogged it up a little bit. Is there any solution to this? Yes. And it is the most hilarious word it is sharding and it's not what you do in your pants i thought that is that sharding or sharting it's like a, it's like a shit sh shit fart right yeah shit fart shart this it's is shard like a like a piece of something a fraction uh like a, like a rock that breaks a shard okay and what does that mean in this context so shard comes from an old english word that meant to cut in terms of this crypto technology, sharding is the process of breaking down a big chunk of, of data, digital information into smaller and smaller pieces so that it can run quicker on the system and it's more manageable. Right on. So when you shard, when you shard a massive chunk of data like the blockchain, which is gigabytes of 
data, then every computer won't have to store a complete copy or they won't have to handle all of it at one time. Right. They can just handle their shard. The, 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 their the little fraction, their piece of it. Why are you smiling, Danny? Because I made a joke and you didn't hear it and I hope they heard it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So next word we have is hash and hashing. A hash is a mathematical computer program that takes any set of information and turns it into letters and numbers of a certain length. Hashing is used to make storing and finding information quicker because hashes are usually shorter and easier to find. Hashes also make information unreadable and so they become secret. For example, let's take the hashing algorithm. I mean, this is just a computer program for Bitcoin and Bitcoin uses the SHA-256 hashing algorithm. And SHA is short for Secure Hashing Algorithm. Exactly. S-H-A. SHA-256. So there's a couple interesting things about hash functions or hashing. A hash needs to satisfy a couple requirements. It has to be easy to take X input and get Y hash out of it. For example, if we wrote the word high, it has to be very easy to write the word high and get a string of letters and numbers out. And that string of letters and numbers has to be the same letters and numbers output as the input every time. So if I write high, I'm going to get Y letters and numbers out. If I put high space, it is a totally different letter and number combination that is the output. The other thing that a hash has to have, it must be infeasible to take the output and extrapolate the input. So it's impossible to look at this string of letters and numbers out of context and say, oh, that's high. Oh, that is high space. There must not be any rhyme or reason to these this output. It must be deterministic. Hello will always have the same hash. This is exactly what we said before, but it has to be easy to be inputted and also make sure that it's the same output every time. And slight changes to the messages will make a totally different hash. Also, it's infeasible for two messages. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply to produce the same hash. Unless it's the same word, you cannot have the same hash. For example, hello, let's take hello. You put hello into SHA-256, it has X output. If you have hello space, it has X output. If you have hello space, I am Danny, it has X output. However, there is no way you would have hello space, I am Danny, and hello space, I am Matthew will have the same output. And nothing ever, unless it's the same exact input, will have the same output. If it does, we're in trouble because that's a collision. But we'll go into that some other time. Is there anything else with hashing, Danny? 
Yes. I wanted to sum it up. I really want to sum this up in a real easy couple sentences. So a hash is a computer program that takes a any bit of data, could literally take all of the Wikipedia articles, you put it in, and it returns a fixed size string. The same size when you put in hello. When you put in hello, you get 64 characters. When you put in every single article in Wikipedia, you get 64 characters. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is. Exactly. Exactly. Next word we have, Danny, is peer-to-peer or P2P. P2P. Or B2B. So you have peer-to-peer, me to you, Danny, B2B, business-to-business. And I don't even think that we need to go into that. We kind of get it. But it's just... (laughs) <laughs> the connection between yeah. me and you, Danny. We can mean you can send Bitcoin P2P without an intermediary, without a company in between us. Just me to you. Done. Elegant. Yeah, you can just think of it as person to person. Exactly. Next, we got dishes or silverware. In this case, a fork. Ooh, you know, they just did a, their first spoon the other day, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's a joke. No, that's true. Really? Yeah. I was. Uh, I, I, I haven't confirmed this, but I was listening to another podcast and they said, yeah, they just did their first spoon the other day. No, that the hard spoon. The hard spoon, Danny. Ether mint will be our hard spoon of Ethereum. What in the crap? Yep. So we have spoons, we have forks. You know what comes next, Danny? <laughs> Knives. Sporks, Danny. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, Danny... We have forks. We have a hard fork, we have soft forks, and we have forks in general. So a fork in general is a split from the blockchain. It's just a split of the recordings. You're going to be able to fork it. You take something off the main and you fork. Kind of like a fork in the road. It's like you're saying, hey, going down the main road, and hey, you say, go down the road until you hear the fork fork in the road. What is the fork in the road? It's a little road coming off the side of the main road, right? Mm -hmm. And there's two different kinds of forks, Danny. There's a hard fork and a soft fork. Yes. A hard fork is a decision to make a permanent change to the technology used by cryptocurrency. Bitcoin had a hard fork. Ethereum had a hard fork. It's just when this change happens, all new recordings, all new blocks are very different from the original blocks. And they're changed so much that these new blocks would be seen as invalid by anyone who didn't upgrade their technology, which means that any computer that doesn't update will find these new blocks appear invalid and they can't continue working with the system. So if the majority of people agree to a hard fork, then... Anyone who doesn't agree is kind of left in the dust until they upgrade. But there are the original chains or from that fork. So basically what you get is you get two different chains. Some people could be working with the new chain or the new blocks. And some people still can be working with the original or classic blocks. And that's kind of what happened with Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin, isn't it, Danny? Yeah, and Ethereum and Ethereum Classic or whatever it's called. And Monero. And now we have Monero Zero, Monero Classic, Monero. Oh, geez. These hard forks, Danny. I know. You know what? The cool thing about hard forks is that you can upgrade your technology. The bad thing is that it splits up the fan base, the fan club. And that, I think, is what makes cryptocurrencies valuable. Mm, and But it also, in my opinion, confuses a lot of people. So right now what you have is you have a hard fork and you have Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash both claiming to be Bitcoin, trying to use Bitcoin branding. And well, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anymore, Danny. You know what? If you have so many forks, shouldn't there only be like three to four forks and then you just get a, a whole fucking silverware? A, a, a shovel? A dining set? Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. I'm going to dining, dining set this, this this chain. Oh, you know what? We got to call it a broom after that. Why a broom? Because there's so many bristles. Oh. Right? Ah. We'll, we'll, we'll work with broom. that. I'll email Roger Veer right now. <laughs> the other one was a soft fork. Matt, why don't you take that? A soft fork is a change made to cryptocurrency technology creating a temporary split 
in the group of recordings. This change creates all new valid recordings that are slightly different from the original blocks. They are just different enough that users of the new technology see blocks from the original technology as invalid, but users of the original technology see no problem with the other one. Yes. What does that mean, Danny? I'm confused. This just this just means that the new blocks will work fine for all computers, including those who didn't upgrade their technology, but computers using the original technology will potentially find that their blocks are being rejected by the rest of the network until they upgrade. Excellent. So Danny, we've been talking a lot about hashing, ledgers, blockchains, blocks, all these different things, forking now, and mining. What is mining? We talked about this briefly in our first episode. Yes. Mining is just a process of recording and verifying transactions or any other sort of information on the blockchain. So with this information on the blockchain, Danny, there's something called a node. And a lot of people say you have to run a full node. What is this, Danny? So a node is literally just any device that's computerized that is part of a network of other computers. Um, But a full node is one that runs the entire program And its job is to ignore those transactions that are incorrect and only add those that are correct to the record, to the blockchain. Right on, right on. And this system is a trustless system. Which is a good thing. It sounds bad, but it's good. It does sound bad, but it is good. Because trustless is is good. Trustless is a positive quality where you are not required to trust the person you're doing a transaction with. A trustless system or technology is so secure and smooth in handling your transactions that both people in a transaction can safely hand over money and other valuables without the risk of being cheated. It means you don't need to have trust. Right now in our system, we trust banks. We trust the intermediaries. We trust third parties. Well, what if the bank wants to screw you? What if the bank wants to cancel transactions? What if the bank just says, you know what? Actually, this happened to me the other day. I wanted to send some money to Mongolia. And my bank was like, why are you sending money to Mongolia? And I'm like, because I have a friend there I want to send money, money to. And they're like, well, we need to verify this. And I'm like, well, dude, that's, that's weird. It's my man. money. It's not just my money. It's like, why, dude? It's like only 500 bucks. What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> what kind of, what organization do you think I'm funding with 500 bucks? <laughs> Mongolian cattle farmers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so You know, I, I thought of a really good example of trustless. Mm. You know those um, those banks and restaurants and post offices that they have a little box and you can only, only open one side of the box at a time? So in that system, the person who's handing you your package or your food or your money opens their side of the box while your door is closed, puts your money in, and they close their side. And mm. then you open your door and you can get your money, food, package out. And it's trustless because you can see that your stuff goes in and right. you know that it's in there. You're not going to pay them or whatever until you get your goods. That in a sense is trustless. Right. That's a really good point, Danny, because in mo- in most cases it's not completely trustless. Because imagine if me and you were doing business, right? And I was going to buy your your Apple Watch, which I really want to get an Apple Watch, but you're going to sell me yours. There's a point there where you have my money and you have your watch because I'm paying you for it. Or there's a point where I have your watch and my money because unless we go three, two, one in exchange and we both hand over the money and the watch at the exact same time, there's usually a point where there's I have both or you have both. So I mm-hmm. still trust you not to punch me in the face and run away with my money. Yeah. Or, or like hostage situations in movies are always like, show me the money and show me the girl. I want proof <laughs> of life. It's all about that trusted situation, right? It's true. It's true. Imagine if there was trustless situation when you're doing hostages. That exactly. would make it so much easier. Write me the Criminals- smart contract. 
It's in the blockchain. Oh, done. Yeah, done. Then there's no more, no more negotiation with. Yeah, the but you, you can't put criminals. the you can't put the hostage in, in the smart contract. You still have to release the hostage. <laughs> you put them in the box, Matt. Only one door can open at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Danny. I think I think you're onto something here, man. The, imagine the hostage situation van, and you put this big glass box up on a truck bed over to like the front door of a bank, and they put the the, the hostages inside there, and you put the money in the side, and they kind of like <laughs> you're onto something. Danny. That's a trip. Well, Danny, thank you very much for coming on this last episode of Crypto 101, where we are talking about basic technical terms in cryptocurrency. And all of these definitions came from decryptionary.com. Danny, I really appreciate you making this site. Heck yeah. I appreciate you uh, showcasing it to the world. Plus, we had some fun here, didn't we? We, we did. We did. But now you have to go to bed and I have to start my day and the listeners have to stop hearing us make bad jokes. I mean, they're good in my opinion. But yes, we do need to get going. Thank you very much for having me. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. Matt is available at all times of the day. I'm going to give you his cell phone number. I mean, not really. Another bad joke, <laughs> Danny. Good job. Bye, Danny. Thank you. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.